what's up, everybody? This is Gary Owen with the Get Some Podcast. Uh, as you can see, the flu man, she was gone. Um, my wife made a good point. She said, she said, yo, ever since you've been growing it, the, the, the lockdown date keeps getting farther and farther away. You know, it's April 6th. It's the end of April. It's middle of May. It's end of May. So she just said, maybe if you cut it off, then we'll get a, a hard lockdown date and this thing will be over. I was like, good point. So I cut it off and I feel amazing. I didn't really, I don't know how people have beards and goatees. That thing is so aggravating. Like I just find myself licking my upper lip and touching it all day. So hopefully I went 50, let me see, I went, I went 58 days without shaving. Even though we're, it was like 54 lockdown days, but it was 58 days without shaving, uh, which is a record for me. I don't think I can grow a beard, but I, I was able to grow the flu man shoe, but it's gone now. So I feel like a baby. It's weird when you shave, when you grow a uh, facial hair that long and you shave it off, you, you really look like a new person and feel like a different person. So I listen, uh, this podcast for the most part is fun, informative. Uh, I want it to be where people can have an escape from the real world, lighthearted. But sometimes things go on in the world that I feel like we need to address. And like this week, I, I always want to do these, uh, the rap lyric, break down the rap lyrics. Uh, and my daughter gave me lyrics to NBA Youngboy, but I'm going to hold that off till next week because with, with everything that happened this week with, um, with Ahmed Arbery and the two, the two guys, the white guys that basically chased him down in a pickup truck and then shot him and recorded it, then come to find out that the guy following them that recorded the whole video he was an accomplice. He was with them. And rumor is, and I don't, I don't have any basis to validate it from what I've been hearing, is that they were showing the video to their friends. And then one of the friends felt guilty, almost like a menace to society type deal, and felt guilty and then showed it to the authorities. And the authorities still didn't do anything with it until it got made public. And I guess with me having two, I got, I got three kids, I got you know, two mixed boys. Um, every time they leave the house, I'd be lying if I don't. You, you feel some kind of way. And especially my my teenage son, like he 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 runs. He goes outside and he just runs or he'll walk the dog. And he'll go, he'll go. He'll like go for a couple miles. And whenever I see him leave the house with like a hoodie on and he's 6'4 and he's mixed, but he looks black, I'm always feeling some kind of way when he leaves the house. Now, in our neighborhood, 9% of the people know him. So I'm not worried about our neighborhood. Uh, but when he leaves our neighborhood, that's what I was like, man, somebody could just, when you see something like this, it just, it, it, it hits home a little harder than, than, uh, than I guess most white guys would feel. Uh, it, the thing that, I think what really bothers me is when you have a video that's so clear cut that, you got two guys in a truck with guns. You got an unarmed 25-year-old man running, and people still are trying to justify him being shot. Like, I literally saw people on, like, social media saying, well, he shouldn't have, uh, he attacked the gunman. He, he went after him. What? Okay, 
In what world do you live in that somebody has a shotgun out in rural Georgia in a pickup truck and uh, you're a black guy and you're going to go attack them? What, I, I want to know what universe you live in. Uh, and because <laughs> two things, the guy that what was it, Greg and Travis McMichael, the father son that they, they, they killed, um, uh, killed Ahmed. Uh, they, um, they, they're, they said it was self-defense. He attacked him. He fit the description of, of somebody that, that was breaking into houses in the neighborhood. And for one, first they said they're trying to make a citizen's arrest. You can't make a citizen's arrest unless you see the crime being committed right there. Uh, two, he also fit the description of every black guy at, at Lifetime Fitness. He's in a white T-shirt, shorts, and running shoes. And, so, and I heard a 911 call where somebody said there's somebody looking into a house. A house under construction that was being built, and somebody said, yeah, there's this, there's this black guy looking in this, you know, these houses. I might want to break in. Who's breaking into a house under construction? And two... What if he was looking in, the, in this empty house, like, wondering, man, I'm going to have a house like this one day? Or maybe he's manifesting his dreams. Because I've done that with my kids. I've, we've, when they were first born, we would drive around. We would drive through Beverly Hills, Bel Air, all these nice neighborhoods. And just, you know, even when I was a kid, I would, I'm living in a trailer park. I would, I would love to drive through neighborhoods, average neighborhoods, because I'd be visualizing myself in a house like that one day. I was like, ooh, that'd be awesome if I can get a house one like that one day or live in a neighborhood like this one day. So who's to say he wasn't just looking at houses like he sees a house under construction and was looking in like, oh, that's a cool kitchen or this is a cool house. Who's to say? And, you know, some people know this, some people don't. Like, like I'm an ex-cop and a military cop, Navy cop, which is not the same as a regular cop. But the base I was on had a neighborhood it had a, uh, a nightclub. It had restaurants. It was its own little encompass city. Now we didn't have we didn't have a lot of murder cases and things like that because you do have to have your badge to get on base. So it was it was it was more uh, regimented, I would say. But we still had we had domestic violence. We had fight. We had a bar. So we would have bar fights. Um, we would have theft. We would have everything you can think of, minus. Murder cases. I mean, there was, I think there's been three people murdered on the base, one of the bases I was on, NAB Coronado, and whatever, 100 years the base has been there. Uh, but when people say, well, he, the, the guy had the gun out and Ahmed attacked him, I go, here's the thing. Unless you have, unless you have had a gun pulled on you, you don't know how you're going to react when someone pulls a gun on you. You like to think you know. But you don't know. Some people are going to go after the gun. I'm going to get him before he gets me. Some people are going to run away. Some people are going to freeze. Uh, but you don't know unless, it's ha unless it happens to you. So that you, there's no way you can be an expert at that until it happens to you. Everyone's going to react different. Like I, This is, is kind of the same but different. When I, was, uh, when I was a cop, when I was at NEB Coronado, we had a nightclub on the base called Gator Gardens. And every now and then there'd be a fight there and we'd go and break it up or the fight was over and then we got to get the people in the fight. So I had this partner one time 
and it, uh, I had him for like a month and nothing really happened in the first month. But I remember the first day he got in the squad car with me. He literally was like, come on, Gary, let's go kick some ass. And I said, whoa, whoa, bring it down a little bit. We're not, I don't, I'm not here to kick nobody's ass. <laughs> but he was a nice guy, got to know him. And this bar fight happened at Gator Gardens. And we go in, I, we, I go in the bar fight on 10. Like, I just want to break it up, make sure nobody gets hurt. I don't get hurt. So I'm, I'm in the middle I go into Miller's bar fight and I'm like pushing people away and there's chairs being thrown. And I'm, you know, I'm just sitting there going, break it up, break it up, you know? And then I look over and my partner fucking froze. He was watching the fight, not helping me. He was just sitting there like this. I was like, what? So now we, um, the bar fight gets broken up. Everybody gets separated. Nobody was really hurt. A couple black guys, nothing big deal. No big deal. Uh, I went back to dispatch and I told the I told everyone I said I need I need a new partner I can't I go he he just froze on me he needs to be in dispatch he doesn't need to be out on the streets yet because he straight and this is the guy that got in the car telling me come on let's go kick some ass I'm like this okay that's the same guy that froze and that month I was with him if you would if they would have had a microphone in our squad car to hear him talk. Uh, you would have thought he was the baddest man on the planet. You would have thought his lifelong dream was to be a cop and to fight crime. And then when a simple bar fight happens with no guns, no knives, just straight fists and some chairs and tails being thrown around, uh, he just froze. I'm like, I'm getting, literally, I'm getting thrown around. I'm getting manhandled by everybody in this bar. And this guy just sitting there looking at me. I go, I need a new partner. I can't do this. Uh, and it just... I, you hear, I think what's most disturbing is one, that it happened. Two, that we find out that the guy was filming it to almost show off to his friends. And then three, there's people on social media defending them. There's, there's a Facebook page uh, that I saw shared somewhere that is like, almost like we need to save these two. We need to save Greg and Travis McMichael. There's a Facebook page made up that has like 20,000 members already in like two days. Saying uh, set them free. They were just, they were good men trying to do the right thing and things got out of hand. I was like, oh my God, I, what alternative reality do you live in? I saw one, one, okay, I saw one thing on social media and like I thought, if you go to my fan page, that's just fans. My personal page only has about 2,000 friends on it. And 90% of the people on my personal page are from Cincinnati and Ohio. So with that, I got, I got people that I went to high school with, old friends. And I don't agree with a lot of things that some of these people talk about. I got Republicans. I got Democrats. I got everybody. There's a couple people that I'm friends with on Facebook that are ever Republicans. And some of them defend anything a Republican does. So one of these, one of these, and I wouldn't say a friend, just a guy I went to high school with. And it's almost like you're just there to look at his page. I wouldn't say like, I don't want people to think like, oh, Gary got a bunch of Trump supporting friends and things like that. But you just got your friends from high school you grew up with and you're trying to keep up with their lives. And this guy, I don't agree with 90% of stuff he, he says. When I saw him repost this Ahmed shooting on his page, I immediately thought, oh my God, this guy's going to defend these two. Even this guy said uh, 
these pieces of shit need to be put away. I can't imagine if this was my son. And then one person on his comic section said, uh, you know, it looked like he was, looked like the two white guys were innocent. They were just defending themselves. And everyone just attacked that dude. I was shocked that you have this diehard Republican. I don't know if he's a diehard Trump supporter, but I'm 9% sure he voted for Trump. Uh, even this guy even said, these are pieces of shit. They need to go away. Um, you know, I, me, me being on, me being a, a ex-cop, now married to a black lady with mixed kids, um, whenever things like this happen, it always reminds me of when I was a police officer and how I handled things. Like, I, I, I make jokes about it. Like, I used to let everybody go. Everybody go. No matter what. I remember there was one case where I'm on the gate, so I'm waving cars on the gate, and this, this guy is in the backseat of a taxi, and I knew the guy, but I didn't know him personally. I just knew him from playing basketball and seeing him at the gym on the base. And he's in the backseat of the cab. The cab gets, I waved the cab on the base, because cabs had to have certain like validations, and they could dro drop people off on the base. Wave the cab on the base. Two minutes later, the cabbie comes flying back, like, hey, the guy just dropped him off. He ran out of my cab and didn't pay his taxi fare. And I was like, really? So now I got to get somebody to relieve me off base. I said, I know, where he, I know where he lives. I go in the barracks. I knock on this guy's door. He acts like he's asleep. And it, it's a black guy. Okay, I, I want to make sure because race does have something to do with this. This is a black guy. So I knock on his door. He acts like he's asleep. I said, man, come on. I know who you are, but just got to pay the taxi fare. He goes, he goes, nah, man, I'm, I didn't do that shit. I go, dude, come on. He's at the gate. I don't want to fill out a police report. I don't want to go through all this. I go, just get in the way. I go, look, man, I'm going to walk you down the ATM. There's always an ATM in every barracks lobby. I said, I'm walking down the ATM, take out $20. I'm going to give it to the taxi. This is over with. Come on, man. So he comes down. He takes the $20 out of the ATM. I, uh, <laughs> I drive up to the front gate Give the taxi his money, told him keep the change. I think the fare was like $12. Don't ask me why I remember that, but I do. He was like, it's $12. I give the guy the 20, takes off. The guy's cool. It's over with. The, I can't believe the brother right before I was leaving the barracks said, hey, make sure you bring back my change. It's <laughs> like, bro, just take this L. <laughs> I'm not coming back to give you change. I'm not asking for this taxi guy to give you change. He's cool with not pressing charges. I'm trying to make this go away, and it's over. Uh, but it just goes to show you that I could have made that situation worse. I could have went after that dude and tried to arrest him and, and do all this paperwork, but I don't want to do that. I was just like, you know what? I know where this guy lives. I'm going to get the money and give it to the taxi guy, and, and it's over with. Uh, but... It's just how you handle things. And I can't believe that the, the police department tried to cover this up after they had the video. And thank God somebody had a guilty conscience and released that video. Because if not, I don't think these guys, these guys are still be on the streets. And I always say these guys, whenever I hear of a murder case, I don't necessarily think everyone is a threat to society that murders somebody. There's extenuating circumstances and every case is different. Uh, but I definitely think these two gentlemen are a threat to society, in particular, black society. Because they went on the hunt to kill this young man. And just, and just like you hear about stories where they say, oh, white women will clutch the purse when a black guy 
walks by them or when you when white people are in their cars and they lock the doors if a black person pulls up next to them because they're scared. I'm like, you can you can make the same argument if you a black guy, run, a black guy or woman by yourself walking or running on the street in any rural area in this country, and two white guys drive by in a pickup. You should be just as scared, if not more. I'm like, it's, it's just, it's dumbfounded to me. It, it, it's more dumbfounded people are defending them. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to be too on my high horse with all this. Uh, I'm just glad now, now they've been arrested, but now they need to get prosecuted. That's the next step. The rest is one thing. Prosecution is a whole other thing because if, if, if all these police departments and try to cover it up, damn sure going to try to get them off. And the guys in ex-law enforcement, I'm like, I don't know. Arrest is one thing that's good, but a prosecution is the big thing. Um, okay, so next thing uh, to make it a little more lighthearted is the NFL schedule came out. And thank God the NFL is still around. With the draft and now the, the, the schedule getting dropped, I looked at the Bengals' schedule and... I'm guessing six and ten. I see the optimistic Bengal fans saying we're going to playoffs. I'm like, look, we got a we got a coach, new coach, basically. We got a new quarterback. Half our defense is new. We don't know how healthy AJ Green is. I hope he's fully healthy. We got a lot of question marks. So I'm guessing six and ten. Most people are saying five, eleven, four, and twelve. I'm optimistic, so I'm gonna say six and ten. But I just hope football starts on time. That'd be awesome. That would be amazing. That would boost the country. So I don't care if there's fans or not. I'm sitting there watching baseball in South Korea with no fans. And I'm intrigued. And all the South Korean teams are named after cars like Dawoo versus Samsung. <laughs> like that. So, all right. I'm ready for my next guest. Good friend of mine. Now, she's going to tell you we met in 2004. I'm going to tell you we met in 2006. Uh, comedian. Uh, seen her in Girls Trip. Seen her in the Carmichael show. Uh, just so many movies. I don't need to get into that. One of my good friends is stand up. Tiffany Haddish is a guest hey, this week. What <laughs> up, y'all? All right, Tiff. Now explain to them when I called you to ask, ask to be on my show. I said, Do you remember when we met? You said yes, and we had two different stories of when we met. Now you tell me when did you meet me the first time? I met you in like, it was 2004, 2005. It was a nightclub in Hollywood. Um, and you were like super nice and you let me have like drink out of one of y'all bottles at the table. And I was telling you how cool you are on Comic View and like that you're my favorite. Okay, let me put a disclaimer. That was not my table. There's no way I was balling like that in 2004. There so was, was a bottle on it so you had bottle service. Yeah, that means that means I was there early with somebody else, and you whoever clearly I was, was there, you clearly was there with somebody else because it was a very black club in Hollywood, and you yeah. were very white. So you I was being out. generous of somebody else's tab is what was going on there. So yeah, come have a drink. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not you paying for it. I ain't that. paying for it. Now yeah. I'll tell you where I met you, uh, or the first time I saw you. I should I should say. 2006, I'm at the Laugh Factory on like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I had just been like, go, I went through two different auditions to get on Def Jam. They were, they were bringing it back. And 
I remember I just got the call saying, yeah, you didn't make it. And I'm like, what happened? And they were like, well, you were funny, but just you don't, we don't feel it's right for this show. I went, really? Def Jam? And then literally I'm at the Laugh Factory, so I'm in my feelings like, oh, fuckers, man. What do you mean they right for your show? My, my jokes are perfect for Def Jam. You got on stage, and I, I remember what you were wearing because you had, like, these tight booty shorts on, and I was like... I've never seen a comedian wear that on stage. <laughs> booty shorts. Look. I never. Booty, I didn't wear booty shorts then. Tim, I, I wore, all my life I they wore were booty short. shorts when I did Def Jam because they talked me into it. I never wore booty shorts on stage in a comedy club. Well, they were short. They were short. No, no it they was were, probably a dress. No, it was shorts. <laughs> but I did. Said, I bust my legs. Did I bust it open? It was not shorts. You didn't bust it open that night. No, but you said, uh, yeah, first thing out the box, you go, yeah, bitch just found out she got Def Jam. And I was like, what the fuck? That's true. <laughs> so they must have called me and told me no, and they must have called you and told you yes, back to back. Probably did. I was just like, and I didn't want to like you. I was like, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think I like her. I was blaming you for me not getting on. And then I think I talked to you afterwards. And I was like, ah, fuck, she's cool. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were just the biggest bitch ever. I was like, God damn it. Why she got to be nice? Because I'm raised that way. <laughs> and then, and then, um, then you opened for me like in, in Ontario a few times at the uh, improv out there in the mm -hmm. mall. And then I remember, I think we did a weekend together. And your manager at the time called me after the weekend and it was explaining to me, he was like, yo, Tiff, uh, Tiff like working with you. He goes, I went to a couple of shows. I think it's a good match. He goes, we should try to book you guys on the road together. And I remember telling him, I said, dude, I'm cool with it. I said, but just here's my schedule. You guys make the call. If they call me, I'm going to say, yeah, she's cool. Then you called me later and we're just, we're just talking shop. And I remember you telling me, you go, yeah, I'm, I'm married and my husband is uh, he follows me sometimes. And then he's, you said he's got like a, a tracker on your car, you think? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. uh, I literally was like, what? I said, Tiff, you can't go on a road with me till he's gone. And I go, <laughs> I, can't have, I can't be worried about some dude coming up, <laughs> hemming me up, because <laughs> we, we had a bar after a show or getting something to eat. And then I, I literally told you, I said, are you telling me he's jealous? And you go, Gary. He's so jealous. I went, well, um, he's got to get over that. You're in a male-dominated business. He can't be jealous like that. He's, in a, he's married to the wrong, he's married to the, a woman in the wrong line of work. Right. If that's the case. Uh, but that, that was it. And then, you know, you just kind of, you start doing your thing, getting your hustle on. I'm, I'm doing my thing. And now here we are, what, uh, 14 years later on the podcast together. <laughs> 14 years on a podcast together, sitting in the living room, and uh, yeah, no proper lighting, and got That's earbuds right. in. And <laughs> if I forgot I wish to put a bra on, so I'm trying to keep my titties under the lens. Them monsters. <laughs> <laughs> these beasties, these beasties trying to be seen. Big ass ninth grade titties. <laughs> if, you was in, if you was in ninth grade, them titties are huge. If I was in ninth grade, I would be killing them in a titty game. Yeah. Well, you see days, Well, ninth grade in our time, but uh, nowadays these is still too little because uh, ninth yeah. grade today is like D cups. Yeah, you ain't lying. I don't know what they're putting in the milk nowadays. 
My, they put in the breast enhancement. Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's even little boys out here with Chi-Chi's right now, so. I, okay, I don't even like to think about that. Because, you know, my wife's got big breasts, and my, uh, my daughter definitely took that DNA from her. So, <laughs> and she's a teenager. I'm like, God dang it. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Why my baby got a body? Right. Why my oh, baby fix. built like her mama? No. Oh. You should be glad you, that you, she not built like you. Yeah, you ain't lying. Now, you know, you know, um, you know my wife, right? You know Kenya. Yes. Yes, I do. Now, how, how, did you, how did you meet her? Was it the comedy store? I think it was a comedy store where we met. Yeah. She was really yeah. sweet. But she was yeah, interrogating she, me trying to see what, you know. What do you know? Are you serious? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> but I did tell her serious? I saw you with 15 hoes. I seen him with these hoes <laughs> at the club the first time I met him. He had all of us come up there. He was judging our bodies. And I told him I was a comedian. He said, yeah, right. You a dancer. Do you want something to drink? Like, no. Just <laughs> <laughs> I was like this. That don't sound like her at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Plus 15 no. hoes. I ain't Trey Songs. I can't juggle that many hoes. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm making it up. I'm making that. That's not real. But I will, I will say, I, I remember when Girls Trip, Girls Trip came out in 2017, correct? Yes, correct. And you filmed it in 2016. Correct. So I remember reading like Variety or one of those trade magazines, and I saw that you got casted in Girls Trip. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then when I saw the cast, I saw Queen Latifah, J.D. Pinkett-Smith, and Regina, Regina Hall. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. And so I'm thinking you were like me in Think Like a Man. You know, it, it wasn't yours, but you were in it with the ensemble, with the names with it. Then when I saw it, and I go, oh, shit. Tiff's the catalyst behind this thing. Like, I know Regina's the narrator and everything. I go, but Tiff is... It's Regina movie. Yeah, it's Regina's like... But I go, Tiff is the one that's just the the wild card in all this. And uh, it was definitely more of an ensemble than than Think Like a Man because it was like all four of you had equal storylines. With Think Like a Man, some people had a bigger storyline than other couples and things of that nature. But I called Will Packer... When, uh, when I saw the movie and I said, yo, Will, I go, I've never been as happy for somebody as I have for Tiffany. Because, you know, you just, you watch a movie and you could tell, you're like, oh, shit's about to change. There's no way you could watch that and not see that coming. Did you feel that when you were filming it? When I was filming it, I just was like, I'm going to have fun. And I personally felt like, you know, I was just the person to help push the story along. That was my job. Um, and to be funny and just to push things along. I didn't I personally didn't think my character had a real story like everybody else's character. Like everybody else got to make out with a guy. I didn't get to kiss nobody. <laughs> everybody else got to like do sex stuff. I just talked about sex stuff. I didn't do sex stuff. I mean you had I mean, the you had the fruit. I mean, but that was fruit. I didn't have a real person. Like, the closest thing I got to, like, being intimate with somebody was riding on the the dude that was riding the, the bike's lap. Yeah. Like, that was the closest intimacy that I got to have in a movie, which I thought sucked. But otherwise, I just, my I, when we were filming it, I just felt like I'm making new friends. These women are amazing. I'm learning so much. 
And every time Queen Latifah was like, just do it, Tiff, just do that shit, do that shit, just go for it. Then I would be like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and that's the best. Now, did you, did, was that a, did you make that up or was that in the script, the grapefruit, the infamous grapefruit scene? That, that, that was in the script. When I read the script, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get this movie because I know how to do that already because I saw the video <laughs> uh, that Auntie Angel had dropped in 2012 of the grapefruit. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I tried it in 2013. And I, uh, no, I tried it in 2012. And that's how I got a Corvette. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. From my, from my you know, well, it was my it was my Corvette. It was in my name, but we had put the money down. It was my money. You know what? I bought that shit myself. Yeah. So it wasn't a grapefruit. <sighs> I mean, it was a great. The grapefruit is what inspired them to take me to the lot and stuff, and be like, "This is the kind of car you should have." <laughs> you know, you the woman that should have this kind of car. And then I was like, "Okay," but even though I really wanted a Volkswagen Eos, I got a Corvette. Mm. Now, where's the Corvette now? I sold it so I could get a Volkswagen Eos. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. And that's in the backyard. And I had to sell it because, you know, he wanted me to have that. And, then, you know, anything he wanted me to have, I got rid of. Right. Smart. Just cut ties completely. You want yeah, no memories of that. Especially in case there's a tracking device on it. Now, that's hysterical. <laughs> now, when I follow you on social media... You all you do is talk about what is it? L.A. Tacos. What is that taco place you always be going to? L.A.X. Tacos. L.A.X. Tacos. You're somebody hey, special. Now, now where's it at? It's on Aviation between La Cienega and La Brea. Because I, you know, I'm a foodie, so when I see people posting stuff, I'm like, where's it at? Because I remember uh, Lance Gross hit, hooked me up to Cha Cha Chicken. You been there? Yeah. Yeah, I've been to Chow Chicken. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. He yeah. admitted that. So when you said L.A. Tacos, I go, is that the name of it? Or is she just calling, is it like the best tacos in L.A.? And she didn't no, give the restaurant LAX, name. No, LAX Tacos. It's by LAX Airport. There's another one that's like in Alhambra. It's all right. But LAX Tacos is the best one. And they got the shrimp tacos that's off the chain. Like, just trust me. LAX Tacos. Everything. LA. And you just got hit through it just living in the city? Or somebody told you about it? Well, well, when I used to work at the airlines, I started working at the airlines when I was 18. And uh, one of my coworkers was like, hey, let's get tacos for everybody. Let's go to this place. It's really good tacos. And, it, and at the time, the tacos was 75 cents, okay? And right there on aviation. And we went over there from the airport. And like, you know, it was Air New Zealand. I was working for it at the time. So we in the Air New Zealand, like you mobile Air New Zealand? Van. Yeah, I worked at Air New Zealand. I haven't heard hey, of that mate, airline. I, hey, mate, we take you to the top, <laughs> all right? Crying. I've never even heard of that airline. Is that still around? Yeah, Air New Zealand is still around. It's like one of the best airlines you could ever, like for long distance travel, it's the best. Yeah. The I'm food is up. good. They give you foot massages. It's great. Anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, we went over there to LAX Taco. And at that time, it was a house. Somebody was making tacos in a house. And we went Are from there, we took it to work, and I took a bite, and I had never had, I had only had Taco Bell at that point in my life. I only ate Taco Bell or like Bill's Tacos, basically black people tacos. You know how we do it, mm -hmm. ground beef, lettuce, tomatoes. Yeah. I never had like a shredded, like carne asada, like steak taco before. 
when I tell you it was the best thing I ever ate, and ever since then, every time I go to the airport, I get LAX taco. Or when I fly back into LA, I eat yeah. LAX taco. It's like my tradition. I see. Cause you consistent. You know when you back in LA, cause that's the first thing you do. Tiffy's on her social media. I got my LA tacos. LAX taco, <laughs> baby. Like that's how I know I'm back home. Cause yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. that's. I've been to Mexico. I've been to a lot of places. Nobody makes tacos as authentic and as delicious as LAX. And they're no longer in the house. They're actually in a, a restaurant now. They turned the house into a full-blown restaurant. They redid the whole thing. And I mean, that was when I was 18. I'm 40 now. Yeah. They got a drive-through now. I remember when they didn't have that, so. And it still tastes the same. Same still as when you was 18. super good. Still now, do you same. know the owners? Um, I know the managers who are the, is the daughter to the owner. Mm-hmm. Mm. I met so, the owner a few times, but I really know the the daughters. Okay, okay. Well, I gotta try it next time I go out there. I'm gonna have to text you that get the actual address. Oh, so I'll send it to you. I send you the Yelp just, and everything. Like, you know, I only do reviews for certain places. I I even gave them a an excellent Yelp review. That's yeah. how much I love it. <laughs> now, since since Girl Trip, I always say Tiffany is like. Almost like a Chris Tucker, where I thought, honestly, I thought the days was over that somebody could just take off off one movie. I thought we were now in the day, the, the age of peppering. Just keep showing your face and showing your face, and then you start to take off. Uh, but, you know, you was working. You was on a bunch of different shows. You was on the Carmichael show. But then after Girls Trip, it was like... Choom, almost like Chris Tucker, like he was working and people knew him from Friday, but then um, Rush Hour came out and Chris was just like, pshoom. International then, superstar. Yeah, and then I was like, you know, that I thought those days was over with, with so many different outlets for TV shows and, and Netflix and everything else. And then there, here comes Tiffany with but Girls I've been Trip. Peppering, then, I've been peppering the world for a long time. And then mm -hmm. finally, the, everybody got to taste the dish, I think, when yeah. Girls Trip came out. Because, like, I was in that movie Keanu. I was in mm -hmm. a few Lifetime movies. I had the the, the drama with um, Tyler Perry. I was on the drama series. Uh, was a, It's more of a soap opera series, If Loving You Is Wrong. I did Arsenio yeah. Hall, like, seven times. Then the Carmichael show came along. And then, mm -hmm. then stuff started taking off. And then girls' yeah. trip happened, and then it went boom. Yeah, like we knew that. Like people in the industry knew that, but I'm just talking about the general public. You mm. know, it was like after girls' trip, and everybody knew your name, and everybody knew who you were. And even like I don't know if you saw it, but even when um when Cat said I don't know, Cat was just going off on yeah, a lot Kat of people was at one mad. point. He was mad. Yeah, and. He was like talking about those comedians, and I go, that's not, and I kept thinking that's not our call. And I even talked about it when Kat said something, where I was like, I think Kat was saying uh, all these other female comedians are out there, but we're acting like Tiffany's the only one, the funniest one. And I, I said, I think what Kat was saying is, um, and then, not even what Kat was saying, how I took it is Tiffany took off after Girls Trip. Now, she had been a stand-up, and you had stand-up specials and everything else. I said, but I think m m the people that don't know stand-up, 
know her from Girls Trip and everything after that. They didn't no, know you were be doing honest. stuff before let's that. Let's be honest, Gary. I didn't have no stand-up specials before Girls Trip. I'd been on stand-up shows and did like 10 minutes here, 12 minutes there on different stand-up shows, but mm -hmm. I didn't have my own special. My, my own special didn't come out until December after I did Girls Trip. And I yeah. dropped the book at the same time. Like literally, I plotted and planned out how everything was going to come out because I had shot the special already, but hadn't released it until mm -hmm. after Girls Trip. It came, I think it came out right. like maybe five, four or five months after Girls Trip came out. My book came out like a month after that. Like I was just plotting and then the next season of this and then this movie and then that, like I had been working super hard and mm -hmm. just trying to like make sure every month something comes out. I'm dropping mm. something. Now you still got a lot of your. You kept a lot. You got a lot of your same team with you yeah. over the last couple of years since you've been taking off. Don't you got the same hairdresser? Yeah, makeup. same hairdresser, makeup artist. Yeah, I've I've gone through like three stylists, but they all still my friends. We they all come to my parties and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, since since over the last three years. Uh, I, when I called you, I said, where are you living at now? you like, same place. Same place. <laughs> Always lived that. You have moved yeah. at all? Have not moved at all. Because I'm, I'm a fun believer in like, okay, when I bought this house, to me, at that point in time, is this was my dream house. It still is my dream house. It might be a very simple house. You know, I might not have no swimming pool or nothing, but I ordered a pool off of Amazon, and it's supposed to be coming today. So uh, I'm about to have me a pool. Uh, it's above ground, but I'm about to have it. And I love it here. And the property value has gone up and the neighborhood has changed drastically. So, you know, I'm good. Yeah. See, I like reading, I like reading your story. Like, I, not getting back to Cat, but kind of is, you know, whenever I see comics beefing or talking crazy about another comic, that just unsolicited, though. Like, there's, yeah. there, it just comes out of left field. You attack somebody. I'm always, uh, I've always, and the older I got, I always take a step back. And, I, you know, like everybody, you have issues with certain people at certain points in your career. And sometimes it's in your own head. Sometimes that person really didn't do anything, but you start getting in your feelings thinking they did. And thank God I got my wife because she always, when I, when I vent, she says, Gary, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're just so off base. And, and with you... It's always like, like you've been attacked a lot in the last couple of years on social media and some comedians and everything. And you just kind of kind of ride above it, I've noticed. Because I'm, I'm always under the whole, listen, man, um, is, if a comic's working and they have a project, you're just, you're eliminate yourself from, from ever working with them again in a lot of aspects when you attack them like that. I go, I just, sometimes I want to shake comics. Like, what are you doing? That was unnecessary. I just... I don't know. It, it boggles my mind, and you've got well, that's, it. That's a that's a little jealousy issue thing. But you know, my my mom trained me for this. Like I, the the first person I ever loved, my mother is the first person to be like my bully, my attacker, my my biggest critic, my biggest hater. The the person like, oh yeah, go on do that. And you suck. You a garbage. You look like your ugly ass daddy. Like so, can nothing nobody say to me affect me the way that it, that she do. So mm -hmm. I don't care. I know that they're wasting their energy. And the fact that they're thinking about negative things to say about me means they're really in love with me. They really care about me because you're wasting your life, your energy mm -hmm. on me. 
Yeah. Thank you. I just, yeah, I don't understand it. I don't understand it to, to the life of me. And, 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 you know, as you know, as a comedian, comedy is subjective. I mean, I, I always say comedy contests are so pointless because one person might think you're the funniest person. The other person might think, I didn't laugh at one joke. You're right. Uh, so when, when, you know, when somebody, and you've got, I mean, you've gotten it tenfold. You, and, you know, you and Kevin, you know, I've known Kevin for 20 years. And it always says if, if your name's coming out of people's mouth that much, that just lets you know you're doing something right. Yeah. You know? My grandma said, if they ain't talking about you, you ain't doing your job. So if they talking good, bad, whatever, let them talk. Let them run their mouth. But, I mean, there's some people I would, if I could, if I, you know, because I'm still a hood chick. I'm still from South Central. And it's still a part of me that wants to whoop ass. But I know mm -hmm. better now. But there's still yeah. this inside of me that want to just be like on eyesight. Right. But I can't do that no more. <laughs> I can't do that nah. no more. Nah, please don't do that, ever. I can't do that. I mean, and that's why I love Jada and, and Queen Latifah and Regina, because they always keep me, you know, they keep me grounded and remind me that I might still live in South Central, and South Central still might live in me, but I don't mm -hmm. have to behave that way. Mm. Yeah, you just sounded like Jada right there. <laughs> that was like right. a, a red table talk moment real quick. <laughs> You don't have to don't behave, have to behave that way. But you, but what Beyonce taught me is that you pay people to behave that way for you. Mm. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> That's what Beyonce taught me. We pay people for that. You don't do that no more. Exactly. Um, I said exactly like I know. No, I'm just, I'm just running away. I'm walking away. When the last time you had a fight, Gary? Navy. When I was in the Navy, uh, there was a guy named Tyler. He was from Miami, about six six brother, and he. We were in the barracks, and he was always hanging out at these other two guys' barracks room. And he goes, and this is this is what twenty five years ago, twenty six years ago. And I walked in. I said, "Damn, Tyler! Next time I come in, you gonna have a badness, motherfucker." And he went, "Hey man, what the fuck y'all talking about me?" Six six. And he straight just went, "Bip." And luckily, I saw it coming, and I went like this. So he hit the top of my head. Now he dotted me up. If that was my eye, it's black. But since he hit the top of my head, it looked like I didn't have a mark. And I just punched back out of instinct. He was so tall, I hit him in the chest. He fell over the chair, he tripped, so it looked like I fucked him up. But really, he just kind of tripped over the chair because he quit <laughs> back a little bit, and then everybody broke it up. But I remember nobody in the barracks would mess with me anymore because they're like, Garrett will steal on you quick. And I'm like, ah, not really. <laughs> it was kind of an accident <laughs> that it happened. And this is the beauty of sports was, so I kind of avoided Tyler for a couple weeks, and then a couple weeks later, we're playing pickup basketball, and we ended up on the same team, and we ended up winning like four or five games. So at the end of it, you just kind of bond, and it was over with. But yeah, mm -hmm. the was, that, was, that was like my one and only fight, honestly, Tiffany. I don't really fight <laughs> like that. I walk away quick. I, don't, I was like, there's no reason. If you win, your hand hurts, and if you lose, your face hurts. Yeah, either you know? way, you're hurt. Either way, yeah. nobody and really it, wins a fight. Especially but you with win both of us. The yeah, res respect is one thing, but it's also uh, I like to wake up the next day with all my teeth, enjoy my breakfast. Because <laughs> I, right. you've never, I, anytime I've almost, almost gotten a fight or argument and I've kind of walked away or got out of it, I've always woke up the next morning thinking that was a good move. And at that night, you're all fired up. But right. the next morning, like, that was a good move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these waffles are really good with all my teeth. And no markings. 
and no cops knocking on my door or anything like that. That was, Man. that was a good move. That was a good move. When's the last time you've been in a fight? Mm, 2011. And then before shit. that, look, no, no, yeah, 2011, last time I've been in an actual physical altercation. You want to share? Are you allowed? Nah, I got a case on it still. Oh. <laughs> See, we're in a situation now where you just can't. You're going to lose either way because they're going to sue so fast. Yeah, they try yeah. to sue, and then it's like, well, I'd rather give my money to the lawyers than give my money to you. And then there's police reports prove a lot, you know, and I got mm -hmm. pictures, and, you know, it is what it is. I remember yeah. one time I was, I was about to fight Paula Bell. You remember Paula Bell? Oh, yeah. Man, I got a Paula Bell story. I'll, I'll tell mine after you tell yours. Okay. I, okay, tell yours. Okay, no, I'll tell mine. Then you tell yeah. yours. <laughs> mine, okay, so. mine, mine is not going to be as good as yours, by the way. No, I don't think mine's that good. That's why I want you to tell yours after mine. Because I'm sure yours is, like, hilarious. Mine's not that hilarious. So, anyway, Paula Bell used to pick on me all the time. Used to be like, you're too young for this. You need to just go get married to a rich man. Like, when I was at the Laugh Factory, right? What and year every is time this, I would, by the way? This is, like, 2004. Okay. 2000, yeah, 2006, 2004. Like, for... For years, she was like picking on me, and she would be with Tony Rock and and um, Ruben Paul and them, and they would be like, "Don't listen to her, Tiff. She's just drunk right now." And if I had a drink, she'd be like, "You need to stop drinking. You're gonna look like an old hag." And I'm like, "No, I'm not. I got good genetics, and I'm not even like drunk, drunk like you." And then she would just go on stage and talk so bad about me, and I'd be hosting the show, and she'd be like, "I don't even want to touch this microphone after that dirty bitch touched it." Like she would just say all this stuff and really be mean and nasty to me, right? And so then one day. I'm hosting the show. She says that stupid shit. And then I come up after her and I was like, give it up for Paula Bell, the Wicked Witch of the West. One day I'm going to make a movie and I'm going to cast her as the Wicked Evil White Witch of the West. <laughs> and everybody started laughing, right? And she got mad. So when and she yells something out at me, so I bring up the next comedian. And I just, I heads it. I head straight to, because she went into the, like, a foyer. So I head straight to the foyer, like, yo, what's up? What's up, Paula? You always talking shit? You know what? I'm tired of this. You think I'm just a little girl that ain't gonna whoop your ass? It's going down. And I started taking my earrings off, taking my ponytail off. She's like, you're crazy. You're just a crazy little black bitch. You're crazy. I was like, no, you're fucking crazy for fucking with me. I'm tired of this shit. And so I start coming for it. Once I get my ponytail off, I start coming for it. Ruben Paul and Joe Coy had to, they jumped in front of me, lifted me up and carried me back into the club. Because I was chasing this bitch down. I was going to beat the white off her. I was like, I'm going to beat you to your other pink me. Like, I was so mad. The other pink me. And then after that, we became friends. After I it was like, I'll beat your ass. I don't give a fuck. Bitch, she's all of a sudden so nice to me, and we're friends now. Huh. It's funny how that happens. Right. Uh, it's funny how that happens. <laughs> but... Yeah, okay, yours is probably better. Only my publisher isn't me and her personally. It's I was doing the punchline in Sacramento. Uh -huh. And we always stayed at they always put you at the residence inn. That's just and I have been coming there for years. So this is this is honestly around the same time frame. Probably it's probably 2003, 2004. Uh -huh. So I've been doing the punchline for the last three, four years. So I go and they literally got me in like kind of a shithole. It was like, I was like, what happened to the residence inn? Because the residence inn was right across the street from the club. Right. And they said, well, uh, they said, well, last week Paula Bell was here and got like drunk and she trashed the room. 
and they lost the account of the hotel with the comedy club. So her trash in the room meant I had to stay at a shitty hotel. I said, well, goddamn, I'm getting penalized. <laughs> For her behavior. Right. They her said, well, they behavior. said something crazy like she locked herself in the bathroom and was on her cell phone trying to call people saying she was kidnapped and trapped and she like busted out the window in the bathroom or something because she was that drunk she did not know where she was Damn. it wasn't like move some furniture around it was bust the window out and saying i'm trapped somebody kidnapped me or some craziness but they you know she ended up being drunk maybe she yeah. shouldn't drink she stopped drinking she did. I think she did. She did stop drinking because when she's not um, drunk, she's actually really sweet. So I haven't seen her drunk in many, many years, and she's been really nice. Yeah, and I, I disclaimer. So we're not being the ones that are trashing somebody. I don't have any issues with Paula Bell. That was your issue with her. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you guys are friends dead. now. Yeah, I'm glad you yeah, guys are good. friends now. And but that was kind of her personality back then. Like she really would go on stage and would go in on people. Cause she was well, you know, she had that car accident, and then that's like I think that's when we bonded, like after that argument or whatever. And then she mm -hmm. saw me, and I said, and I and I apologized to her for trying to attack her, and she apologized to me for you know making me so mad to want to attack her. <laughs> she apologized for all the things she said to me, uh -huh. and then she started telling me about a car accident that she had, which she had to learn how to walk and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow. damn, you're just like my mama. You probably need to see a psychiatrist and take certain medications because you might have some brain damage. And, uh -huh. and maybe she was like self-medicating. But um, yeah, she had a really bad car accident. And I think when people have head injuries, um, they don't, they, they flip-flop between good person, bad person a lot more. Mm-hmm. Now, when you said... You said Tony Rock and Joe Coy had to hold you back, right? Uh, Ruben, Ruben Paul and Joe Ruben Coy. Paul and Joe Coy. Now, I saw a post for Joe Coy, and tell me if this is true. Did you used to watch his kid when he was on stage? Yep. I used to babysit he, his kid while he was on stage. Yep. So he was bringing his son to the Laugh Factory and the comedy clubs? Yeah, he was bringing his son to the Laugh Factory, and when he would be on stage, I would be upstairs uh, watching the baby. That's like taking care of the baby. And then when he came back, then he got his baby back. But his baby loved me. And now he a grown man. I'm like, oh. Like, yeah. I used to hold that baby on my heart and make sure he go to sleep. And like, yeah. That's just like, there's stories like that that people don't don't hear enough of. Uh, we Like we, we talked enough about the mudslinging. But when Joe posted that, I mean, it just honestly, it makes you root for him and you that much more. The fact yeah, that you I got remember, two... Joe used to look out for me so tough. I would be, I was homeless, and I think I only told him and one other person that I was homeless, and I was hungry one day. And he's like, Tiffany, you hungry, aren't you? And I was like, you can see it in my eyes. <laughs> he's like, yeah. And he was like, let's go across the street and get you one of them hot dogs wrapped in bacon. And I, to me, he was a god when he bought me that hot dog. Like anything he ever, like I was always trying to help him. After that, because yeah. like the fact that he fed me and noticed that I wasn't um, that I was hungry, like it, yeah. it meant to me like he cared. Yeah, Joe always had a good heart and spirit about him from jump. <laughs> Joe's funny. Around that same time for 2003, 2004, he called me, and you know Joe was kind of open mic, hadn't hit that much, wasn't selling tickets, right. and uh, and you know I was I was like a middle of the road headliner, let's say. You know, and uh, he goes, he said, yo, I got this hookup with this shoe company, man. Come down here. So I come to downtown L.A. and Joe, for some reason, had the hookup with Pony. 
I remember not Nike, not Adidas, not Reebok. It was Pony. Oh. I was like, where the fuck did you even find Pony? First of all, <laughs> but I ain't gonna lie, I was rocking ponies for about six months. T-shirts, <laughs> shorts, shoes, and then some of it I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna start my own trend. So I called Joe up, like, hey man, I'm town. Can I come down to the Pony Factory? There's a little Pony Factory downtown. I go, how the hell did Joe get hooked up with Pony? Well, Joe's partially Asian, and I'm sure there's some Asian guys that run that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, no, was it? I think it was Latino guys. I can't remember. Oh. I can't remember. It was, it was a long time. I didn't know Joe was Asian. Honestly, I can't. I didn't. I thought he was other for the longest. I didn't know what Hilarious. he was. <laughs> Filipino. I can try to is, figure it out. Which is a uh, Filipino? I think is a mixture of all the Asians and Spanish and black. That's what I think. Oh my! But I could be completely Phil wrong. I mean, you're not far off base if you're Joe's age group because, you know, the Navy had the big base in the Philippines. And right. a, lot of, a lot of the Navy sailors would get married and bring the Asian ladies, uh, the Filipino ladies back because the whole family would come with them. And then all of a sudden you got all these half black, half white, half Latino Filipinos <laughs> right. running around San Diego. Because a lot Diego. of people in the Philippines got Spanish last names, which makes me think that the Spanish colonized it earlier in time. Well, I'll, this is my thing with the Philippines, Tiffany. Uh, my biological dad was in the Navy and was stationed over there for a couple years. And I go, there's no doubt I got a, a half Filipino brother or sister because <laughs> he was wilding. 18, right. 19 in the Philippines. Mm. I go, I just keep getting on the Internet looking for the, the, the funny Filipino that looks like me. I can't, can't wait for that kind of pop. From our personalities. Hey, do, do your 23andMe or Ancestry.com and do a DNA test. And then it, hopefully one of them do a DNA test or one of their kids and it'll link you guys up. Mm, Turns yeah. out I got, a lot of, I got a lot of third cousins out here. You oh, Now, what is it called? 23andMe. So if you do it and somebody else randomly does it, it can link you? Yeah, it can link you guys. It could it links like family members who people who share the same genetic like codes and stuff. How do you? So I don't like, even know that. I made my mama do it because my mama said that we got Indian in our family, right? That we mm -hmm. Blackfoot Navajo Indian. That's what my mama said. So yeah. I did my twenty three me wasn't no Native American in me at all. Nothing like I'm East African, West African, Irish, Italian, Scottish, English, like all this, you know. I'm a white woman. That's a huge. That's a huge gangbang. <laughs> right. That's generations, and generations <laughs> of mixture of DNA. Right. So then, my uh, I tell my mama there ain't no Native American in me unless you're not my real mom. Maybe you're not my real mama. Yeah. But we look so much alike. So then I make her take the 23 and me, and it comes back. Uh, it, it sent me alert before she even get her results. It sent me alert that this there's a, a parental a parental match for me. So that already said, like, this my, this is your mother. And then mm -hmm. my sister did it, my aunties did it, and we all matched up. Like, and I didn't use my real name for mine or anything. Huh. So, and we all, we all matched up, it's matching up the whole family. Every time one of the family members do it, it matches it up. But then all these second and third cousins, when my mama went up, we got cousins all over the place. Hmm. Yep. How many brothers and sisters you got? I got two sisters and two brothers. Are they both and then in LA? I might have three. I mean, all four of them in LA? Yeah, all of them. Are, yeah, we're all in LA. That's off my mama's side. Off my daddy's side, there's a potential that I have, like, 
two more sisters and a brother. But my daddy say they not really his. But... <laughs> And then I said, nope. well, then y'all got to do DNA tests if y'all want to claim me as y'all sister. And they don't want to do the DNA test. So. Oh. <laughs> Why would they not want to do it? I don't know. Because maybe they, because then they find out their mama was a hoe. I don't know. Uh, I'm, or maybe they find out their mama lied to them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'd want to know. I'd want to know. Yeah, I would want to know sure. too. If, if somebody has that's famous could potentially be my relative, that's let's, do let's do a test. Let's do a test. Yeah, why would you not want that? Especially you. It's not like you. Not like, I, I don't know. Some some celebs maybe not, but someone like you, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Tis my sis. No, <laughs> this one girl, my dad says she your bre- she your sister, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know because there's another man that looked like me that was around, but she your sister, maybe. So then I meet her and she, we kind of got the same eyebrows, but that's about it. And when I see pictures of her mom, her mom <laughs> looks like eyebrow. my mom. So I'm like, oh, her dad, you know, my dad got a type. So she might Damn, be my sister. Same, you said same eyebrows? Yeah, we got the same kind of eyebrows. <laughs> is, don't, a lot of people don't have eyebrows like this. So You sound, like, right. you sound like you're in a Maury episode. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know I've been watching a lot of Maury lately, too. And got same eyebrows. Yeah, we got the same kind of eyebrows. eyebrows. And she got a pretty smile, but that's about it that makes us... That makes me think we could be related. Because uh, uh-huh. she's like very introvert and like quiet and all that stuff. And like the family mm. is loud. Like we turn up. Like, <laughs> so both sides? Both sides? Both sides. Both sides. I went to Africa to bury my father. And I'm, it was like, oh, I know who I am now. Because those aunties, loud like me, fingers shaped like me, face shaped like me, turn up, party, dance. Don't even need no music. Just like me. Mm-hmm. So and I think sometimes the 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 way somebody behaves is in their DNA code. It's in your genetics. I mean, DNA is not a game. That's why athletes have athletes. That's mm-hmm. why funny people have funny people. That's why loud people have loud people. You know, right. that, I, I, DNA is nothing to mess with. Right. Now, I felt I felt like I I. I skipped over it earlier because I, I, you know, I don't want the podcast to be that where people are like unloading baggage. But when you said, um, when you were talking about your mom earlier, and you've been very vocal about your mom in a, in, in a lot of interviews, and I relate, I relate a lot to your upbringing. My upbringing was very different, but again, comedy. I felt comedy like saved my life and was my escape, uh, and I feel like. In that aspect, it's similar to yours. Where you was that you've been very vocal. Where comedy just was like, once you got on stage, it was like, oh, almost it was a release to all the stress and pressure going on in your life. Yeah, it's a safe place. I mean, I, I can honestly say I feel like I feel, and then like when we go over the records, like <laughs> I've been under attack a majority of my life. I've had some kind of aggressor or attacker or you know, feeling not safe majority of the time, really like 85% of the time, my whole life, like I feel like I was not safe. But when I get on that stage, it's the safest place on earth, I feel like. Even though I'm staring, a room full of people are staring at me and judging me or expecting me to do something for them, I'm safe because I have witnesses. And like, Mm -hmm. regardless if I did good or bad, I was brave enough to get up here 
brave enough to express myself. And the only reason I'm able to do that is because I'm safe. Mm -hmm. It is true, man. And only comedians... Only comedians know that, that no matter what's going on in your life, whether you're going through a divorce, whether you're going through mental abuse, whether you're going through financial struggles, once you get on the stage and you get that first laugh, like, I don't care if it's just a little chuckle, it's just like everything kind of goes away. And you're like, I'm at home. Right. Only comedians know that feeling. Maybe singers, but not even singers. I don't know about that because comedians, like, we're bearing our souls on stage. Yeah, like we're we're like we're letting you into our world, and I find in the beginning you just want the laughs, the laughs, the laughs, the laughs, even if it's it's cheap laughs I call it. Um, but when you can just get a crowd and they're silent and they're listening to your story, sometimes I enjoy the silence as much as the laughs because right. they're listening. You know what I mean? People write me all the time like. I was crying. I felt so bad for you. And then you made me laugh so hard. I felt bipolar. Like, yeah. <laughs> like people write me with that. Because so. I didn't Definitely know your story. I didn't know, your, I didn't know everything you went through until um, Girls Trip came out. And you start sharing your story more. And I had no clue. I didn't know you were homeless. I didn't know you were living at your... Only thing I knew about you, Tiff, was uh, your, your husband. Because you shared that with me over the phone. And that's all I knew. I didn't know everything you went through with your mom, foster care. I didn't know you were Jewish. I didn't know you used to do bar mitzvahs. I didn't know any of that until the interviews. And I did, I, I, I know I did, I gotta look back, but I know I did an Instagram post where I talked about it. I said, I just, I never knew anything about Tiffany like that. Never knew. You know? I was always just trying to be happy-go-lucky around you and, and not bring you any bad news. That's the other thing, like, you know, I used to hide a lot of stuff because I didn't want people to feel bad for me or sorry for me or get any pity or anything. And that's So as I became more successful and people are like, how did you do it? I'm like, I better start sharing everything and not, like, try to hide that I was homeless or anything like that because that should have come back to bite me in the ass later. So if I tell all my truth before anybody else do, nobody can hurt me. You can't hurt me if I already told it. Yeah. And you know when people are genuine and when they're not. You and Tracy Morgan are the two comedians I know that they always say you change a personality depending on who you're with. Like you with your homegirls from South Central, most people would act different when they're around Barack and Michelle. And I'm like, not Tiff. And not Tracy mm -mm. Morgan. Those two mm -mm. have one personality. You, Tracy Morgan's going to be Tracy Morgan, and Tiffany Haddish is going to be Tiffany Haddish, no matter who they're with. Well, Tracy That's Morgan what? is way nicer if you give him a candy bar. Oh, really? <laughs> what does that mean? That's a moody man, man. And he's moody. Oh, Tracy. Well, Tracy, that's the thing. Tracy will take you on a ride. And sometimes, okay, so when we, uh, I'll tell you a story about Tracy Morgan that's hysterical. And Craig Wayans and I think Damian Wayans was in the room. You know, the not Marlon Sean, the other yeah. two that <laughs> are more behind the scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the behind the scenes bros. We were shooting Little Man in Vancouver. And uh, my room was right below Tracy's room. And Tracy would always call me to come watch TV. Gary, come watch the Jets. The Jets are on. And I'm a Bengals fan. He's a Jets fan. I go up to his room one night after we all went out clubbing or something. We all end up back in Tracy's room. And Tracy starts going off on me out of left field. He's like, go fuck you, Gary Owen. Talking about you like black woman. My mother's black. 
was like, what's he talking about? And then he said, I'll call Laura Michaels. You'll never be on TV. I did seven years on SNL. And he's going in on me. And Craig is like positioning himself because he thinks I'm going to come up and go off on Tracy. And I'm just looking at him going, it's just a rite of passage. I've heard Tracy does this, and I'm getting it right now. So I'm just listening like, and Tiffany in the middle of him just going in on me, the doorbell rings to his hotel room. The guy delivers room service, wings and pizza. In the middle of Tracy going in on me, he goes, fuck you, Gary. Uh, you want a slice? <laughs> and start going in on He offers me a slice of pizza in the middle of the rant. <laughs> fuck you, Gary. Oh, and you ain't this- shit. Uh, you want a slice? So now I take the pizza, and then he goes right back in to going in on me. I go, what the fuck was that? Was that a commercial break? <laughs> And once he, finished, once he finished eating, though, he was all good. It was all love, right? Oh, my God. It was, hold on. The next day, we're on set. Craig's talking to me before Tracy gets to set. And he's like, yo, I can't believe you didn't go off. I go, no, no. I've heard stories about Tracy. I knew this would come eventually if you hang out with them enough. And then Tracy comes up. Gives me a kiss on my forehead, Tiffany. Hugs me and goes, yo, we went like, we went like rock stars last night. I was going in on you, G, and you were just taking it. We, you my youth, kid. You my youth. I was like, what the fuck? Like, he remembered it. It still was like, yo, almost like he was testing me. Yo, Gary, we partied like rock stars last night. And you just yeah. took it, yo. I love you, kid. I love you. That's what he said. I love you for that. I love you for that. Tracy. That's, That's Tracy. Yeah. So you know what you get with that. Not like you. I mean, you would never go off on somebody. I but... only go off. I go off on somebody when you start accusing me of things that aren't true. If it's the truth, I'm with it. But if it's not true, yeah. I will cut your ass out. Yeah. I will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but just don't get in fist fights. That's what you pay people for. No, no, no. Yeah. You pay people for that. I yeah. won't get in no fist fights. Let somebody hit me. If they put their hands on me first, they gon' they gonna yeah. feel the wrath of the haddish. I'm gonna put these paws on them. Yeah. Don't hit me first. If you hit me first, you better knock me out. Right. Because right. I ain't going to stop. It's been mm. so many years, too. It's going to unleash a beast. It's going to be a problem. I yeah, I can't even imagine, like, you, you, if you get in a fight at this point in your life, you would have so much pent-up aggression. And not only would they be getting the ass beaten from your childhood, your husband, but they also getting it from probably the IRS. Like, <laughs> you didn't know how, like, oh, you motherfuckers taking 30%. You didn't do shit for you this money. <laughs> 30%? They take 51% from me. And you should see how I sign these checks. Like, I'll be like, ugh, ugh. Uh, so that, that's, hey, that's what they don't teach you in this business. When you, no, when you come into a little you about money. Taxes. Oh, my God. That is a love-hate relationship. I'm like, where's my birthday card? They don't even send a thank you. We received your money. Like, they just cash it, and that's it. And then they they hurry up and send you another bill. Like, you owe us this, too. You owe us this, too. Like, send me a birthday card. (sighs) A thank you. Anything. Right. I would would probably pay extra if if he was nice to me. Right. How about about like an IRS refrigerator magnet? Anything. Anything. To show you appreciate. You know what I mean? How about a pen? We're writing you enough checks. There should be IRS pens that you send everybody. I don't want no damn pen. I want a fucking birthday card. I want them to recognize that I'm here on this planet and I'm contributing constantly. That's what I want. That's what that's. I mean, comedians, we can get in trouble with the IRS quick. 
when you're on the road a lot. Because a lot of the county clubs ain't taking the taxes out. You got to nah. have I, I learned the hard way, you know? I had to learn the hard way. I go, what, what, what? <laughs> nah, I've been on my taxes. I was, that's something that was always like, I felt like, because my, I remember my grandma saying, when you're an adult, you pay taxes. You do your taxes. You stay on top of that. Like, you don't want the government coming after you for some little bit of money. You don't never want to owe nobody nothing. So as an adult, be responsible and do your taxes and get them done mm -hmm. right by somebody that knows what they're doing or you go learn how to do it. So I took a class. That class oh, you is do your, obsolete hold on, hold now. On. You do your own taxes? No, no more. Hell no. That's, oh, I was going to say. The classes I took for doing your taxes was for poor people taxes. That's what I said. H&R Block type shit. <laughs> poor people taxes. This, yeah. this is a whole nother beast, you know. I got yep. this house. I do like things you can't write off a lot of stuff now when it comes to housing. So you got to buy more properties. I try to like just buy properties, uh, get in an investment group so I can be like, I will pay you guys, but I'm, I don't want the money's tied up. I'm broke. Yeah, we got, we got to get off this subject. The IRS probably watching. <laughs> hey, they get, they get their money. They know what's up. They Look, my shit's honest and legit. I'm learning from the, the real rich ones. So. Oh, yeah, you got the right group. You got the right group with, with Jada, Queen, and Regina. And they've, they've been in this business a long time. Yeah. Just no, be a sisters. sponge. Yeah, they, be a sponge around them. I am. Like, <laughs> more information, more. Call me SpongeBotta. SpongeBotta, yeah. SpongeBotta. <laughs> Suck it all up. Sponge-nippity. Sponge-nippity. I, I, like, I love the fact that uh, I, had, I had Will Packer on last week, and uh, I asked him about, I said, have you ever done a movie uh, outside of Think Like a Man where the, the cast really became like a family? Like, we all got each other's cell phones, and we're still even. Because, you know, I think Ely said it best. Michael Ely said a lot of movies are like summer camp. You just come hang out with a group of people, have fun, and everybody goes their separate ways, back to their own lives. And right. We think like a man, we, you know, everybody's doing their own hustle, but everybody stayed in touch and we root for each other and we'll, we'll post shit for each other to, to help each other's projects. And he said, yeah, Girls Trip was like that too. He said, you four and think like a man was, uh, was the two movies where everybody's still like, boom, still tight. Yeah. We like a family. Yeah. I'm always like inviting them over for dinner. Nobody ever shows up, but we do all go to Jada's house. But they never come to mind, I guess because I'm in the hood. <laughs> Things are changing. <laughs> well, the hood is changing. I'll tell you what, when this lifts and we're able to move about again, I'm not going to LAX Tacos without you. Okay. I, I, want you to have, I want to have that experience with you. I want to be you there. You're going <laughs> to love it. Oh, my gosh. You're going to love gonna, it. I'm going to fall back that. and let you order. I'm just going to okay. be like, you tell me. I'm just falling you, back. You just tell me what you like, chicken, beef, pork, like shrimp, chicken. fish. What I'm you chicken. Like? I'm a pollo. Like pollo. Them chicken tacos. You going to try to marry somebody in there, I'm telling you. You're going to be oh, like, okay. I know I'm married, <laughs> but I need this person, whoever made this, to come to my house. I'm just going to have to give Kenya the recipe. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not messing that up. Man, you're going to give it to her. She's going to have to taste it. You're going to have to bring, we, we bring her too. Bring her too. I'm, I'm going to be like her. Yeah, she's great. She's great. I haven't seen her in so long. Bring her too, and then we can all eat together. And then I'll I'll bring somebody here too. All it right. could be a double date. <laughs> I'm down with it. We'll do a we'll do a wife swap. That's what everybody thought me and Ely did. We posted something on uh Instagram. Everybody thought we really swapped wives and was on the TV show. 
Hilarious. Oh. I was like, Michael Ely would never do a show like that, by the way. Ever. I would love to do a house swap. I would love for someone to come who get, lives in a big, beautiful mansion to come stay oh. in my little hood house, and I go stay in their mansion. I'll tell you what. Now, I have a, I have a nice house. I wouldn't call it a man, but it's really nice. And I'm up in Northern California. But yeah. I would I would love, you know what would be funny? If you, me and you did that, and you would have to be around all these neighbors I got, conservative, <laughs> mostly white people. And then I'm in the hood because what would happen was I would fit right in with your neighbors, no, no doubt. Oh, not you the, would not, totally fit in with my neighbors because my neighbors are different now. It is, I think, one Asian lady, two Asian ladies that live across the street. There's only three black families on the on the whole block. Everybody is now white and Hispanic. Oh, maybe maybe it wouldn't be as maybe it wouldn't you be would as what feel, I thought. <laughs> well, but this this is my problem right now. When I come home from work or whatever, and it's like one in the morning, and I see a white woman pushing the stroller and walking the dog oh. at one o'clock in the morning. Uh, oh yeah, things change. First of all, the fact that you feel that safe to be out this late with your baby and a dog. Make me feel some type of way. Make me think she's selling drugs. <laughs> and so I called the police on her. So a white woman walking around here with a stroller and a dog. As something's wrong with her. And, and did the cops show up? They showed up quick. <laughs> they never come in. Oh, they, she's, she's you, like, the last woman? two years, <laughs> the last two years, the police been coming way faster. Everything's like changed. The, it's changed. And I think they're selling these houses around me and I keep trying to buy them, but they won't let me buy. But I think that the, the, the agents are saying like, oh, Tiffany Haddish lives in this neighborhood because, only reason I say, because every time somebody new moves into the neighborhood, there is a fucking pie or a cake on my front door. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Since you live in the same area, the same house, uh, before you quote unquote hit, um, like you are now, uh, do people just randomly stop by that already knew you, but already just, just randomly stop by? Yeah, and I don't answer the door for them. I talk to them through the ring. I'd be like, oh. what's up? What you want? Through my ring. Um, one girl came to my house that I never knew, and she rapped. She did a full rap song into my doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to get a deal? She was trying to get a deal. And they, then, they, uh, did they realize you're she, a comedian? That's what could be getting me. You know, I almost posted the video of her rap because she was kind of okay. It was kind of yeah. okay, but she was like, God sent me a message. It showed me that you're the one that's going to help me get to the next level of my career. And, you know, the fact that you are just this, I can't even believe I could just walk up to your door right now. This is just God telling me, can I just do my song for you real quick? Let me just do my song for you. I said, do what you want, baby girl, but the door's not opening and the police will be here soon. And she got to full on rapping. And and I was like, the police are gonna be here any minute. She did like a minute and 40 seconds and said what her 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 Instagram and everything was. And you could see the police coming from the distance in the, in the thing. And she just, she was like, all right, sis, I'm out. And just walked off the porch and hit it down the street. I was I'm like, out. That's right, the best. Sis, I'm out. All right, Tiff, I'm out. Yeah. Now, okay, when people come to your door, now I get this, and I'm sure you got to get it worse than me. Uh, as far as like, we all you, the songs, what is it? it? Goes down in the DM. Uh, yeah, I get people ask me to pay their bills all the time. More, 
but it's amazing how they assume you're going to do it. They'll send me their bank information, the address. They'll send me the eviction notice to prove they're not lying. I'm like, what? Did I say yes? Did at any point did I respond to this? This is what I, I can't stand. When people request money from me on Cash App and Venmo and stuff, and they request, they uh, requested like $50, $100. Somebody requested uh, $5,000 from me on there. And I wrote back, you must be $5,000 out your fucking mind. I don't know you. <laughs> right. I, it's just amazing to me how people, I like, you don't know any, I, okay, one time I made a response and, oh, and I was just in, you know, you're, I think I was like in Des Moines, Iowa at the Funny Bone, I'm bored, it's Thursday night, I'm going through something and one lady said, uh, can you send me $900, my son's getting ready to graduate high school and I need it for cap and gown and other expenses and I just messaged back, have you thought about asking his dad? <laughs> and she went, oh, what the fuck you think your dad was in his life? I'll be asking you. I was like, oh, shit. It was like a paragraph of cussing yeah, me out. You should, you should be like, well, you should have wrote back, well, I see why the dad is not helping. Yeah. I was more like this. Uh, high school graduation doesn't sneak up on you, by the way. Like a cap no, and gown. And what cap and gown is $900? None, none, none. She went to get a limo right. and all kind of extra shit and buy herself some weed. I'm oh. so sick of it. Look, this is the other thing I'm sick of. Ain't nobody ever invited me to a graduation. Ain't nobody invited me to no celebration, no champagne parties, nothing, right? All of a sudden, this pandemic hit, everybody graduation coming up, and now colleges are asking me to do commencement speeches and stuff. First of all, I didn't even graduate from college. I'm not about to do that. I did graduate from high school and junior high. They, these high schools and junior highs hit me up and I'm like, why are y'all hitting me up? They ain't never asked me for nothing like this before. I'm insulted. You talking about they want you to do it virtually? Yeah, like videos, like, congratulations on your graduation, guys. Life is going to be blah, blah, blah. And when you get out there and, like, I don't even get to speak at my own graduation. I don't want to speak at that. I don't want to do it. Tiff. And nobody's when, ever invited me before. Y'all never invited me before. When it, when it happens, if it happens next year when we're done and regular graduation, just please make sure somebody's videotaping it. <laughs> <laughs> a Tiffany, I would rather watch a Tiffany Haddish commencement speech than a Barack Obama commencement speech. I'm just saying. I, I would much rather watch you, you know? It's almost like I'm going to keep it 100. I'm be like, coming from a girl who been homeless, who done been starving, who done ran through every kind of dude trying to figure out who right for me, picking the wrong one, then trying to say, okay, I'm going to do customer service. And then you realize, no, 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 I ain't really no customer service person. I like to tell stories. So I'm going to yeah. be a comedian. I'm going to be this. And bumping my head up against the wall. Y'all going to bump y'all heads too. Let me tell you something. Ain't nobody life here perfect. All of y'all gonna have ups and downs. I don't care if you got privilege. You gonna have some issues. Tim, some will be I can see you going, going, who's, who's the hoe in this class? Every class got a hoe. Who the hoe in this class? Girl, get away from this school. Nobody knows you a hoe once you get to college. You can start a new leaf. It's a new day, girl. You ain't no hoe no more. <laughs> but in college, that's where you be the hoe. Yeah, in but college, they know that. In college, college, you start no more. Who the you slept with? When right. you get to college, you're not going to be considered a hoe. You a right. lady. Yeah. <laughs> you That's just a, living your life. 
I just want to see the one girl going like this. That's me. That's me. <laughs> yeah, I'm that hoe. Uh, everybody going to look at her. <laughs> and then, then you got tip. As a Christmas, you got to look at the parents. And it ain't your fault. You did what you could. <laughs> you see that? Hoes can come from two-parent homes, too. Hoes can come from two-parent. They don't just, they, they, oh, hoes ain't just from single-parent homes. All right? That's why I can't do this. I'm not doing no commencements, no graduation speeches, nothing. Oh, oh. When it happens, it. oh, I just want it one, one time. One time. And I, it's, Tiff, I would, I would love for you to be... It's going to end up on the front page of Google. That's why I don't be with, like, I be real selective about what I do because it's going to end up on... This conversation will end up on the front page of Google. Nah, we didn't really go in on anybody. We didn't Shit. do too bad. be like, Tiffany Haddish responds to Cat Williams. Uh, oh, my God. Paula Bell is attacked by Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> like... Oh, like this. This really? shit is going to be viral. Okay. I hope. I mean, I'm not saying I don't, but I hope it's for the right reasons. Tiffany has <laughs> claims. Tiffany has claims. Let me, let me think Tiffany, of something crazy to say. Hold on. Tiffany ha just found out Tiffany Haddish is Joe Coy's son's mother. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which Little is a long-running joke I've had with his son. Like, I'm your real mama. I know that lady says she your mama, but you see how your hair slightly curl? That's because I'm your real mama. But I was yeah. homeless, so your daddy took me from you and said this other lady on my... And Joe says he always asked him, am I really black, Dad? Am I black? <laughs> Is, uh, now, you, I know you're close to Joe, but um, how'd you get so close with Lil Rel? Man, when we did Bill Bellamy, Who's Got Jokes, I thought he was you, so on, funny. You did that? Yeah. I didn't know you were on Who Got Jokes. Yeah, I did it the year... I won the first run in L.A., um, but that was be, that's how I got into Def Jam. Wow, I did not know. But you know that was on like TV One when TV One was on its way up, right? So right. it wasn't those it wasn't a channel you just scrolled through. You would just stop by there every now and then, right? So I didn't know you on Who Got Jokes. Yeah, yeah, so he was performing in Chicago. They flew us all out to Chicago to watch them, and I thought he was so funny. I was like, "Yo, you're gonna be my friend." I literally walked up to him and was like, "You're gonna be my friend." He's like, what? 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 I was like, you're going to be my friend. My name is Tiffany Haddish. I'm from Los Angeles, and we're friends now. Give me your phone number. And we've been friends ever since. Every time he's ever come to L.A. Well, in the first beginning, like, he would come to L.A., and Corey Fernandez would come to L.A., and both of them would stay at my place. And then we would go, like, to these parties and go to auditions and, and everything. And, like, when he got married, I had his back. When, he, when I got married, he's like, I got your back. Like, sending gifts and stuff. I send gifts to the kids. Like, he's like a brother to me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And yet it, who 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 got casted first on the Carmichael show? He did. He did. And and I didn't even know about the Carmichael show until he told me about it. He was like, Man, Tiff, you should be on this show. I don't even, the girl that they got on, she's busy and stuff. And I was like, uh, uh. And he told me, and I was like, when he told me that Gerard got the show and that they were having auditions, I ran into Gerard. And I was like, dang, Gerard, you're always telling me that you like my comedy, you respect my game, but you couldn't even let me come in and audition? That's messed up. What kind of shit is that? But if you need help with anything, you let me know. I'm here for you. I'll be a PA. I'll get you coffee. I'll help you run lines. I'll write. Whatever you need, because I don't have nothing to do this summer. And then, like, two weeks later, he calls me and it's like, hey, can you come in and do this table read with us? The young lady that we hired is doing a play. So can you rehearse with us for the table read? I said, yeah, no problem. I did the table read. Then they asked me to come back for the rehearsals. And then the day before they was going to shoot the pilot, the girl comes back. And I guess she wasn't no Tiffany Haddish. And they called me later on in the day and asked me, 
if I would do the part in the kitchen. And I say, yeah. But Rel is the one who like was in their ears. Like, you should get Tiffany to come in. You should get Tiffany to come in. And then when I attacked <laughs> Gerard, mm. they were kind of like, yeah. I didn't attack, but I just let him know how I felt. Yeah. Lil Rel's, uh, he's one of those guys that, uh, First time I saw him perform, like, I don't know what show we was on together. I was like, oh, shit, there's something there. Was that Bad like, Boys? So was it Bad Boys or Comedy? No, live, like, in Chicago. Oh, oh. Like, D-Ray used to yes. have riddles on Sunday nights. Yeah. And, I, and uh, Lil Rel used to pass out flyers at the mall. And he would go up and do, like, five minutes before the headliner. And mm -hmm. he went up before me, and I was like, hey, I got that young guy's pretty good. And then I saw him a couple more times and he was good. And then I, when I lived in Cincinnati, I had a Tuesday night spot and Rel came in there and ripped harder than anybody ever ripped in the three years that I did my Tuesday nights. I, he, Tiffany, he ripped so hard, I thought he was getting booed. Because I, <laughs> I, was, I was back in the green room and the crowd was just going nuts and that room had a rep of booing people if you wasn't funny. And literally like 10 minutes in, I go, ah, oh, shit. I run out there thinking, ah, oh, fuck, I got to go save them. And I went, oh, my God. Like, they were people just hitting each other and going nuts. He destroyed that night. Destroyed. Oh, that's like, man. awesome. And that, that's when I was like, oh, my God. And then I, a couple more times I worked with him. But I always, I always knew there was something there. And, like, I told him, uh, when he, when, oh, when he was on the podcast, I told him, I said, you're one of those guys that uh, no one would ever accuse you of doing anything hacky. There wasn't, like... Your jokes was, nobody could ever sit on the side of stage and be like, I heard that. Or mm -hmm. nobody could say like, oh, if you put a music bit on, that's like almost karaoke comedy. Because you, you've seen it. You've been on shows yeah. where somebody's ripping and comics are on the side of the stage and they're sitting there critiquing because of your rip. If you're destroying, they're critiquing it. And uh, I said, nobody's ever said, oh, Rails, he got that from so-and-so. I've heard that joke before, right. that premise. His shit is all just his. That's why I told him so. I, I, was, I wasn't shocked about his trajectory. I wasn't shocked. Now that he's, But you were shocked about mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was shocked that it was... <laughs> I bet you got it was, I got Def Jam. <laughs> it, no, it was one part. Def Jam, fuck you on that one. I should have been on that. <laughs> I literally went... That was my line. He was like... It literally, this, this, is, this is verbatim. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is you on stage. What's up, y'all? Bitch just got Dev Jam. And literally, I'm on the side going, this bitch? <laughs> I don't know your name. I hadn't heard one joke yet. I go, this bitch? <laughs> and then afterwards, I think I, I think I was like, you know how you're kind of like beating around the bush for information? Mm -hmm. And I think that's when I come up to you. I said, oh, so you, you just got Def Jam? Like, yeah, I just called audition. I was like, oh, okay. And I talked to you for a few more minutes. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I, I just, I did not want to like you. I go, please be a <laughs> bitch and fucking You and something. Neil Brennan. <laughs> and you were just, I was like, just God damn. I remember leaving there going, God damn it. I'm kind of glad she got it. She was nice. Fuck. <laughs> and you just drive. Now you're looking for somebody else to be mad at. Well, who the fuck else is on the show? <laughs> That's so funny. Why do comedians do that? Why do we get like so upset about like somebody else's blessing? You, well, I used I to think be like, I don't do it no more, but I used yeah. to Yeah. Well, I, I was, I think we all get in our, like I said, we get in our feelings at times. And when Def Jam was different, it wasn't like I was mad at you or anybody else that got it. I was more like, uh, I went through the ringer to get on that show. And you know, you know, my standup, my standup is perfect for Def Jam. Like I told yes. you, if it was Country Music Channel, I could have taken that L. Okay. <laughs> but the fact that 
I auditioned in Cincinnati for Bob Sumner. He was doing this nationwide search, I guess. Um, and not to sound conceited, but I, I had a great set in Cincinnati. The next week, they did it in Columbus. They called me to host the Columbus auditions. Great. I, I rip again. I, I, to me, it was a done deal. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm just waiting on the call. And mm-hmm. then when I got the call and it said, yeah, you're, um, we felt like you were funny, but just not right for Def Jam. I was like, what? <laughs> and then, you know. That's what it was. It was. It was. It was my. It's like I said. I'm glad I got Kenya in my life. Russell Peters took your spot. Oh, and yeah, Russell Peters. Yeah, I saw Russ. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I kept looking for another white dude. I kept. What, what other white dude got on Def Jam? Who they? Oh, they picked an Indian dude. Russell Peters. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I was so. But I, that's why Kenya always grounds me. She goes, Gary, that didn't, that's not the other comics' fault. I go, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah you good. That part is not their fault. And, and it wasn't for you. Look, look, no other comedians, but Kevin Hart got in the uh, Think Like a Man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, like I said, this cat. business, this business, you just, uh, I, I've learned to be happy for people's successes. And especially, like, good people. Like, you, you're a good person at the core. Like, like, Kevin Hart's a good person at the core. Joe Coy's a good person at the core. Lil Rel. Like, yeah. they're just, like, good people. That I, honestly, that I just you you want to work with in the future. Like I just want to work exactly. with you guys in the future like, on something. Everyone you named plus you, I would work with a thousand times over. And I think that's what the the key is to this industry. When it's like, oh, it's so hard to get in Hollywood. No, people want to work with people they know they get along with. They know that's going to be on time. They know that's going to deliver the talent. That's not going to give them a hard time, and that they can make money off of. Like if they can make money, they're going to work with you. Right. But if you are asshole, if you are always a Debbie Downer, if nobody wants to be around you, then you're not going to succeed in this business. And, and pretending to be cool or pretending to be fun to be around is so fake and people see through it and that's not going to last. But being yourself, that's what I love about you. You have, you have never changed how you talk to me, how you communicate with me has never, ever changed. And I think that's so important because, you know, they say, oh, when you get money, you change. No, the people change. That's what I've noticed. Exactly. And the people that are always the same to me, treat me the same way, are the people that I, I consistently work with. Consistently, If you ask me to do something, I'll be like, all right, cool, I can do it. Or, or you know, if I got the time, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm doing your podcast. Because you've yeah. always treated me the same with yeah. respect and dignity. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You always wonder how people think about you in the business. I'm like, I, th- I think I've been cool with everybody. I don't think I've burned any bridges. <laughs> There's a few people that think you an asshole. I ain't gonna lie. Oh, really? There's a few people. There's a few people that think you a piece of shit. And I always oh, wow. tell them, maybe he had the shit on you because you shitty. Yeah. Or, or we all have our days. Because he don't treat me like that. He treat me good. Yeah. And, and like I said, we all have our days. You can catch somebody on a bad day sometimes. You yeah. never know. Okay, so people uh, that call me on a bad day, I don't cuss their ass out. Yep. I want to hold you too much longer, but I always ask this of all my comedian slash actor slash producers friends I have on the podcast. But I think I know the answer to your to this question. One person that you haven't worked with yet that you want to work with. Carol Burnett. Oh, see, I thought you were gonna say Mel Streep. That's who I, I was getting ready to say Carol Burnett or Mel Streep. I mean, yeah. I want to work with both. If I could do a movie with both, where Carol Burnett is my, my grandma, Meryl mm-hmm. Streep is my mama, and then, yeah, and then I'm the daughter. 
And then they be like, why she come out like this? <laughs> nice. Can we do like I... a little movie together? I don't know. And, and Meryl Streep is hood as hell. More ghetto than me. Oh, really? <laughs> and that's where I learned it from. Is, if Carol um... Burnett and Meryl Streep are like, look, bitch, listen. Give me my drink. Listen. <laughs> yes, right away. Yes, yeah. But is, we finna go down to say, this swap meet. If Meryl Streep was like, we about to go to this swap meet and we gonna find us some men, let's go. I would just, <laughs> I would die. I would die. I, it would make everything perfect for my life. Just to hear her say that. Well, that's my, my what I hope this podcast becomes is the one where it, everybody talks about who they work with and like in a couple years, like, God damn, Gary's podcast, you better put it out there because it happens. Right. Because like like Will uh, uh, Will Packer said Will Smith. Um, you said you said Meryl Streep and Carol Burnett. Uh, Michael Ealy. He I asked him director. He said Steve McQueen the director. But I also want to ask you: Is there is there? A, I think you just answered it. The, a type of movie you want to do that you haven't done yet. A type of movie that well, I want to do a superhero. I want to be a superhero. Superhero. And yes, and that's why I think it would be really cool if. Meryl Streep and Carol Burnett with my mother and grandmother. Oh, and that'd be dope. Turns out they've really been protecting me <laughs> from the world because I haven't learned what I'm all, what I'm capable of completely. And they guide me through. Once I hit a certain age, they guide me through why I'm like transforming, and then they help me take over the world. And it would be dope. They never I'll bring the up. World. Help me protect but, the world. And the best about that movie, if they never bring up, they're white and you're black. The audience right. is just like, are they ever going to bring it up? They never bring it up. The never whole movie. bring it up. And as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, like, they're black. As far as I'm concerned, right. they are black. Yeah, that's your grandma and mom. And nobody brings <laughs> yeah. up like, did they realize what's going on? Motherfucker, it's a superhero did movie. See, Anything happened. Did you see uh, <laughs> the picture of Future and Meryl Streep next to each other? Uh-uh. You could t- they look exactly alike. You got to put them in. And you could clearly tell they probably share the same, like, they come from the same the- plantation. Uh- Meryl Streep. <laughs> Am I allowed to laugh at that? I don't want to play. Yes, you can laugh at that. <laughs> and in future, I want him to be in a movie, too, where he's like my brother. And when him and Meryl Streep stand, like, when they stand next to each other, you can see the resemblance, the cheekbones, everything. Mm-hmm. Even the smile. Well, was it on Instagram or something, or is it just a picture? You saw. It's on, you can Google it. Meryl Streep and um, Future. Okay. Related, for sure. They look just alike. All right, Two and different last, skin tones. Last question before I let you go. Okay. <laughs> like I got you hostage. Uh, do you have any stories from set or an audition where you just like froze, like forgot your lines and went, oh shit. Awful. Well, on set that's why, that happens, that happens all the time and then I'll just make up stuff. <laughs> just so that's, that's my biggest fear is being on set and be like oh fuck I just dropped everything I don't even know where I'm at <laughs> yeah it's happened to me in auditions before too and I end up booking a job like I don't know what it, like I'll forget what the lines are forget everything and just huh. go with I just start making up stuff like this is the moment that like cause I know what's supposed to be happening yeah. so then I just kind of make it up oh, sometimes okay. that ends up in the movies but most of the time it doesn't <laughs> Yeah. Well, that, but see, when you do something like that, I think that's where they're hiring you. They're mm-hmm. like this. All right, we can, we can, if she drops a line on set, we can feed her the line. But the fact that she's just like not freezing up, she's still in the scene. Yeah. That says a lot. 
Because I, I, yeah, honestly, I'm, you're 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 better than me. I I, I wish I would have did this interview 15 years ago. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, I'm, I'm never free. I never freeze up online. Like I just keep going because what we're doing is playing imaginary, right? We're living the yeah. life of somebody else, living a slice mm-hmm. of life. So if you forget the lines, that's okay. For that moment, mm-hmm. just be in the moment. Just have a conversation mm-hmm. till you remember. Yeah. Which happens. Yeah. Sometimes you're going like a full circle and then you're like, oh, that's the line. And then you drop yeah. the proper line in. And you, if you got a good actor <laughs> with you, they're dropping in right behind you. Like, so y'all just, and it's, it's uh-huh. beautiful. It's beautiful symmetry, but. Yeah. I've never done it on. Strong. It's never happened to me on, on set. It's just, there's been some auditions where I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> well, okay, even in well, the auditions. Yeah, even in the auditions, just keep going. Just keep going. Just. Because we're playing, pretend, it's imaginary, bro. It's not real. Let me tell you, Timmy, let me tell you probably the, it was almost my favorite audition I ever did. And I I wish there was a video of it out there. I'm not, I'm sure, but this is like 99. And uh, remember the show Jag? Yes. TV show Jag? I was auditioning for Jag and I just found out Right when I'm sitting in the hallway to go walk in for Jag, I found out I booked an episode of the Wayans Brothers. So I'm like this, fuck yeah, today's a good day. There's nothing that could go wrong today. Even if I get this or not, I'm good. And I go in the audition and it's a drama. And I'm, I mm-hmm. haven't had no drama auditions yet. And Tiffany, when I tell you it is going so bad, I'm butchering it, I'm, whoop, I'm looking down. It's, ah. So I'm supposed to be a Marine on the run and they get, all, the, all these guys got me surrounded the beach and my girlfriend's dying in my arms. We're criminals. She's dying in my arms. So I'm literally on my knees acting like I'm in the lines and I literally just went, I don't like this bitch. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, I think there was four people in the room. Three people just went, Err. but one lady in the corner went, Whoa. I go, okay, well, I made somebody laugh. <laughs> And I, I remember I left there, and there was like eight guys in the hallway for the same part. I go, it's wide open, fellas, wide open. <laughs> <laughs> then my, my agent comes, like, what the fuck happened? I go, I butchered it, bro. I'm sorry. I fucking butchered it. <laughs> that reminds me of I auditioned for Days of Our Lives, and I didn't realize oh that Days God. of Our Lives oh. is like a really dark drama. It's a drama, right? You have to, you have to pause when you say that, Tiffany. Hold on. Tiffany Haddish on Days of Our Lives. Just, I just want people to let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> okay, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> so I auditioned for it, and I go in there, I think I am killing. I know it's a drama, but I feel like every drama has a little bit of comedy to it. So I'm doing my thing, I'm hamming it a little bit, and going off, I can't believe you, Richard, and you're not a good mom anyways. Like, all this shit. And the casting director, like almost to the end goes stop you are not ready for television you are not ready at all did you prepare this I was like yes I prepared it look I don't even need the paper I know my line she was like your character's all over the place you're being silly and funny this is a drama I said I'm bringing drama do you know drama (laughs) I was arguing with this lady I was trained in El Camino Real. <laughs> Hello? Hello? I went to El Camino Real. I done took two acting classes at Santa Monica Community College. I got this. Boom. Needless to say, she never called me back into her office, yeah. but I ran into her 
like four years ago. And she was like, I'm really proud of you. You listened and you prepared. You got ready. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't audition for her anymore, but she was saying because oh. of my career, what I've done up to that point. Is there, is there, was it on tape or was it just for casting? It was just for casting. Thank oh, the gods. Man, Thank God the damn gods. It. I would love to see that audition tape. I would love to see There's that JAG audition. I would love, I wish I, I could find that. I would love to see that JAG audition. <laughs> you probably so, could. You probably could find it. I have to find that. That was a long time ago. But right. all right, Tiff. I, look, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Um, next time I'm in LA when this lifts, we're gonna go get LAX tacos together. LAX Pollo. taco. Call me as soon I'll as hold you get here. I lost yes. her audio. Can you hear me now? You got her audio? Yeah. I lost it, guys. I can hear you. Yeah, they, they flipped died. Out? All right. They died. I They're can't hear shit. Can you hear gonna, me now? Should I just say bye? What a, what, a, what a cold fucking way to end this. I can't even... <laughs> All right, Tiff. Later. Click. <laughs> what the fuck? I love you too, Can man. I hear bye. her? Is there any way I can hear her say bye? Can she hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay. Let me do a proper goodbye. Fuck, guys. <laughs> What, uh, we lost her? Okay, later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, listen, I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, listen, I, I, I love your success. I want to see you in Oscars and Golden Globes and Thank everything you. in between. Um, please, take another look from this podcast. Please continue to talk about your upbringing and your comedy. Thank that's you. The, that's the shit. That's the shit. That's the shit I would watch. That's the shit I would watch. Okay. Um, uh, and next well, time then you should go watch Black Mitzvah on Netflix because that's what I'm doing in there. All right, let's let's. Okay, I'm sorry. Then let me let me say everybody go watch Black Mitzvah on Netflix. Yeah. I'm not gonna be this interview like I seen all your shit. No, I haven't. <laughs> then you should also watch the Madam C J Walker story, self made. I did see that. That was amazing. Oh, okay, that, good. Thank but you. you know, as comedians, man, and you're just now starting to do like we're seeing you in dramatic roles. Like, okay, Tiffany Haddish is being promoted in this show. So I'm still waiting for you to, like, cut up a little bit. I'm watching it going, was she, she about to say something? She was like, oh, she let that go. <laughs> and best believe I cut up when we were shooting, but they did not put that in the movie. Because when you're, when, you're, <laughs> when you're in this business, I'm, all I'm thinking of, of is, what the fuck is Tiffany saying in the makeup trailer or the wardrobe trailer right now? As she's putting that shit on. That's all I keep thinking. There's no way you put that on with. That looks good. Yeah, that looks all right. I know you was talking crazy right, Y'all got shit. me looking fucked up right now. Right. I don't like this look. Can we get a different hairstylist here? Yeah. No, none of my people can work in Canada because they got records. Fuck. Oh, where'd you shoot that at? We shot it in Toronto. Oh, Toronto's a great city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Tim, well, look, um, like, I'll see you when this is over. And thank you for coming on. Uh, I know you didn't have to do it. Um, and yeah, yeah, I know and people I'm late are hitting for you another up. meeting. I'm ten minutes late right now. Thanks. I, I apologize, but and listen. I gotta take a shit. Black Mitzvah on Netflix. Madam C J Walk on Netflix. Uh, just she's everywhere. I, I love this girl to death. Thank you for coming on. And Thank next time I'm in L A, we're going to L A tacos together. Yeah, make sure y'all watch the last OG on TBS. Facts. That Facts. part. Yeah. Oh, can I tell a story about that before we get off? Yeah. <laughs> so, they were gonna have me audition for your husband. 
and I couldn't make it. I could not make the audition. I don't know where I was, but I go, I can't. I just could not make it in person. Like, I was like, can I put myself on tape? They go, no, we want you to in person. I just, whatever reason, well, I was working somewhere, I couldn't make the audition. I go, fuck, all right. You should have called me. I would have been like, yo, I really want him to play this role. Like, can we get him? Can y'all uh, do something? They would have did it. Well, here's what's funny. Uh, Keenan called me last summer mm-hmm. and brought me in. He said, you know, we're, you want to talk to me about the last OG? And I was like, okay. So I, I fly in, I go meet with Keenan, tells me he's the new showrunner. He said, yeah, we really want to amp up Tiffany and her husband's relationship this year. And he's like, so I want to get you on the writing staff because I know you could write those gems of the relationship between a white guy and a black girl. And the back of mine are going, well, why the fuck did you just hire me to play the dude <laughs> a couple of years ago? <laughs> so now you want me to because write? Because he wasn't the showrunner. It's yeah, like, I know, you I know. know. I mean, in your brain. changes in, yeah. Yeah, in your brain, you're like, why the fuck you just... She just brought me in, but it is right. what it is. It's it, it's like I said, it, it was meant for me. It's meant for me. But I thought that was funny that you, you brought up the last one. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot about and that. It's so funny too because when Keenan came on, I was like, these are the people that should be writing for us, and these are the people that. So I'm glad he called you because I definitely yeah. was mentioning you. Like he understands the dynamics. These are people that understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, I did tell Will. Not that I don't want to be self-serving on the podcast, but I told Will when Girl Trip came out, I said, Girl Trip 2, uh, I'm Tiffany's boyfriend. I'm calling it Will. <laughs> <laughs> I go, and it's not because of the grapefruit scene. That's not what I'm calling. <laughs> it's not because of the grapefruit, but it is. That's not but what I'm calling. That's not what I'm calling. I think but my it's... facial expressions would kill it. <laughs> okay, I see that citrus. I see you working that citrus. No, no, I got a whole new technique now with the fruit by the foot. Oh, better than the grapefruit. Oh, gluten free. Nice. Vegan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. All right, Tip. This is going down a dark road. We got to get off this subject. So. Yes. I'll talk to you later. All right. All I love right. you. All right. Love we'll you see too. you next time.